trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hi there, and welcome to the show. Look, I don't know why you have tuned in today, but if you are looking for a little bit of reassurance that uh, we haven't yet fully arrived in crazy land, hey, you're in luck. <laughs> That's exactly the message I'm planning on uh, sharing with you today. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you could join me. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk about. Isn't it odd how, how things just, I mean, they build and build and uh, nobody can say with any great certainty how this is all going to shake out. I don't think I've ever seen a time of, of greater confusion and uncertainty in my life. And yet, I'm not saying that to complain. It's not like, oh, woe is me. It's, I, I have never felt more certain and I've never felt more of a reassurance about the things that actually matter. So, yeah, we have some pretty serious challenges. There's no doubt about that. But I also think we have some pretty firm ground to stand upon if we are paying attention, if we're not distracted, if we're not hypnotized or otherwise caught up in the, the mass psychosis that uh, seems to grip our society right now. So you ready for some good news? Okay. This may not always sound like good news at the start, but I'm telling you it's based on principles and practices that uh, that celebrate and that uh, that affirm your liberty, your freedom of conscience, your freedom of association, your ability to, to honestly obtain and use property. These things matter. And they're going to continue to matter. And frankly, there are, there are those of us who are just determined we're not going to give them up. We're not going to hand them over. Okay, take them. I know we need somebody to tell me what to do. Our show is brought to you by MonticelloCollege.org. Also, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage and, uh, and LifesavingFood.com. I'll have a little bit to say about each of these sponsors a little bit later on in the show. Just a, a quick note as we get started. Two senior FDA officials have now stepped down over reported disagreements with the White House over booster shots. Huh. That's kind of strange. There's been a pretty united front in many ways on, you know, getting the vaccine and making sure people are vaccinated. Everybody's got to be vaccinated. In fact, you're seeing a lot of private businesses really getting in on this, too, where government reluctantly admits, okay, we don't have we don't have the authority to go there. We can't force you to do this. But our buddies in business (laughs) are our partners. They they can force you and they have been. So don't take this wrong. It's, it's not like I, I like to thrive on conflict. I don't. But I am happy to see some infighting, some cracks in that uh, united front that we've seen from the powers that be in pushing this vaccine. Very, very curious. So one of the things I wanted to bring up to, to begin with was the idea of who can you trust? Now, I know that's that's a pretty broad question. That's We might as well, let's, uh, hey, while we're at it, let's figure out what is the one true religion. Huh? You up to that? Pull up a chair. Let's, let's settle this here and, here and now. No. But there are a lot of competing voices out there. And I don't mean competing in the sense that, uh, you know, one is, is claiming to be the only right way. 
I mean, there were competing voices out there in the sense that they are trying to just provide information or another point of view, and we're not supposed to consider it. There's there's active censorship. And, and when someone questions the narrative, oh, my goodness, that is enough to really get you into trouble. Joe Rogan knows a lot about this, right? Maybe you've heard some of his uh, his comments about how healthy people, in other words, young, healthy people who are taking care of themselves, eating right, exercising, are at much lower risk and therefore probably don't need the vaccine. And, of course, that sends the Twitterverse into an uproar and people go nuts. Who is he? Where did he get his medical degree? Well, I think I'll trust my experts like Dr. Fauci. And, and so there's an excellent article from Cheryl K. Chumley about Joe Rogan versus Dr. Fauci and why one is more trustworthy than the other. Now, as I go to share this, I want you to understand, way too much of the drama that drives our society is the result of being focused on personalities rather than principles. This is something that should have been very clear to anybody paying attention during the era of the Trump presidency. Um, You know, his personality was what carried him into the White House Principles are really what uh, what matter, and that's that's not a blanket condemnation of Trump. It's the same thing, allegedly, that brought to you know Biden to the White House. Well, people loved his personality. Ah, yes, that sleepy, unsure, <laughs> confused personality that occasionally emerged from his basement in order to campaign and win by the biggest margin ever. Right, right. But I wanted you to hear what Cheryl Chumley has to say here because. This is a debate that has played out, and I think she has a, a terrific take on, on why we have to be careful in limiting the points of view that, that we're willing to consider. You don't have to agree with a point of view to consider it. Didn't Aristotle say that's the mark of an educated mind, to be able to entertain an idea without adopting it? So if you're focusing on building your brain power, in other words, if you're focusing on, on building those critical thinking skills, being able to think clearly and independently. You should be able to consider information from any source and then make the decision. Does this make sense? Is this something I can can further corroborate? Or is it something that, uh, you know, is, is not worth my time? Cheryl Chumley says, when it comes to taking advice on coronavirus mitigation, The American people would do far better to listen to comedian and podcaster Joe Rogan than National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases director Dr. Anthony Fauci. Why? Well, she says the answer is Rogan has common sense. Fauci is a power monger and a media whore whose flip-flopping scientific advisements are A, hardly scientific at all, and B, oddly targeted towards clamping down on freedoms of those of a conservative persuasion but not liberal. In other words, more non-science. Now, she's referring to the recent uh, brew up here where uh, Rogan apparently was going to do a show in New York City. But thanks to New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's command, well, anybody who shows up at an entertainment venue better be vaccinated. You better have your, you know, vaccine passport, whatever it is. And... Joe Rogan is saying, hey, if someone has an ideological or physiological reason for not getting vaccinated, I don't want to force them to get vaccinated to see a effing stupid comedy show. And now they say that everybody has to be vaccinated and I want everybody to know you can get your money back. 
Now, that's a pretty stand-up thing on Joe Rogan's part. He's refunding ticket costs to fans who do not want to bend the knee to Mayor Bill de Blasio and get vaccinated as the condition of entering a place of entertainment. Fauci, in the meantime, is out and about insisting on the need, surprise, for a third shot. And, by the way, guess what? Little kids going to school should get vaccinated, too. Should? Asks Cheryl Chumley. Wait, make that must. His words on CNN State of the Union on Sunday. I believe that mandating vaccines for children to appear in school is a good idea. We've done this for decades and decades, requiring polio, measles, mumps, rubella, hepatitis. So this would not be something new requiring vaccinations for children to come to school. Yeah, I don't think he mentions much about the uh, track record that they've had in, uh, you know, vetting these other vaccines. Even so, there are parents who have been very hesitant about getting their kids vaccinated just for the privilege of letting them attend public school. Now, this is also a very different song than Fauci was singing back in May when the good doctor's view was, well, I'm not so sure we should be requiring children at all. We should be encouraging them. He also at the time assured hesitant parents, don't worry about it. The vaccine's been around for almost a year and presented no long-term effects that anyone would no- could notice. Cheryl Chumley says, what a hoot. How could anyone notice long-term effects when the vaccine's only been around at the time that Fauci made those remarks for about a year? Shh. This is the same Fauci that one time said not to wear a face mask, only later to advise wearing a face mask, only later to advise wearing two face masks, only later to advise goggles and eye shields, only later to chain his tone and verbiage to that of advisory from that of advisory to one of mandatory. Theoretically, Fauci said in July 2020, you should protect all mucosal surfaces. So if you have goggles or an eye shield, you should use it. Now, theoretically, Fauci's not an elected official sworn by office to protect and uphold the limits on government powers via the Constitution, along with the concept of individualism, not collectivism, that marks American politics and culture. But it's on that theory schmeary, Fauci says. (laughs) So uh, Americans have to, to take the shot. And so go the messages from the media and big government mouths. Rogan, on the other hand, has been pretty consistent in his calls for self-determination. I'll tell you more about what he had to say, just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. Quick shout out to Life Saving Foods. I want you to go to my uh, sponsor links in today's show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Click on lifesavingfoods.com and just do a little bit of browsing, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to give you the hard sell here. You better buy this or you're going to be sorry. But I am going to tell you, you'll find something that could fit any budget. And having that uh, that extra supply of food on hand with a 25-year shelf life, no, no less, there's real peace of mind that comes from that. Whether it's knowing that you got a grab-and-go bag that you could pick up and, and take at a moment's notice that has a week's worth of meals, that's a real resource that you can fall back on if trouble were to arise unexpectedly. 
And the good thing is, you know, you're going to use this eventually. You know, you're going to eat this food eventually. It's not like, well, we bought it just in case we ever needed a, you know, a thorium powered nuclear reactor. No, this is stuff you can actually use. So check it out for yourself. Lifesavingfood.com. And keep this in mind, they'll knock 10% off the price if you use the coupon code HYDE, H-Y-D-E, at checkout. So I'm sharing this article from Cheryl K. Chumley, Joe Rogan versus, versus Anthony Fauci. Fauci says, you know, you got to do what uh, what the government says, and he's recommended masks, then not masks, and then more masks, and then goggles, and so forth. She points out that Rogan, though, has been very consistent in calling for let people make their own choices. In fact, uh, for those who would pigeonhole him and say, well, he's just another anti-vaxxer, Rogan said earlier this year, I'm not an anti-vax, anti-vax person. In fact, I believe I said the vaccines are safe and I encourage many people to take them. I just said that if you're a healthy young person, you don't need it. Now, Rogan also has criticized the government's uh, pharmaceutical industrial complex for moving one step closer to dictatorship on the whole coronavirus clampdown, vaccine mandate, vaccine passport, technological contact tracing movement that's sweeping the nation, nay, the globe. Rogan railed earlier this month, you can't enter New York City unless you have your papers. You can't go here unless you have that. You can't get on a plane unless you do what I say. And in Fauci's world, the response to that is, so? Which is to say, in Fauci's world, the underlying but prevailing attitude is, we know best. Now, Cheryl Chumley says, these are truly dangerous times for America because the face-off is coming. Individualism versus collectivism. Truly, the face-off is here. In one corner stands Rogan, waving a banner emblazoned with the words, independent thinking. In the other stands Fauci, flapping a flag that blares a single word, Obey. Cheryl Chumley says, if the vaccines work, if the face masks work, if the, science, if the science is what scientists have been saying for the past year plus, what do the mask wearing and vaccinated have to fear? And if they don't work, meaning if they don't put a stop to the spread of the coronavirus and the variants, which truly is what the data show, then the bureaucrats need to stop lying. Americans aren't lab rats. American children aren't guinea pigs. American citizens are thinking, rational, independent individuals with God-given rights to guide their own health care choices, as well as those for their children. And so she says, Rogan is right. Following Fauci, especially blindly, is folly. Time for more American citizens to stand up and say, enough's enough. Freedom and individualism are far too precious to let go to lifelong bureaucrats and their friends in the global community. In fact, she says the knockout round for God-given cannot come from the likes of a coronavirus. Interesting way to look at it. I don't know, I don't know where your line in the sand is, but I do believe that uh, this, this is the test of the moment is to see who is going to comply and who won't. Which means this is something bigger than just, you know, a vaccine. This is something bigger than just, you know, are you living your life so as to avoid this one virus? I think if people who were were sheltering in place, masking everywhere they go, and, you know, studiously avoiding others and, you know, acting as the enforcer... I wonder if if they realize that they stopped living some time ago. 
And I know there are those who will say, well, Brian, you're just being reckless, not just with your own life, but with other people's lives. Hey, if I feel sick, I stay home. I don't go out there and try to expose people. Why? Because I don't want to get other people sick. I've spent a lot of years working in an industry where, um, you know, it's easy to consider yourself indispensable. Oh, nobody can do this show. Nobody can fill in for me because I'm (laughs) indispensable. No, that's not true. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, you are not seen as the dedicated employee when you show up to work sick. This is especially true in a radio station. Sick people speaking into the same microphone that non-sick people are going to be speaking into at a later point. That just ticks off your coworkers. Why would you bring that in here? Why would you try, you know, why would you bring a bug into the workplace and get us all sick? This is just common sense, common courtesy. If you're worried about getting sick, you know, you take steps to mitigate that possibility. If you're worried about getting other people sick, likewise, take steps. But we don't need the mandates. We don't need to have that boot on the back of our neck. John Rappaport, I think, uh, sums it up really nicely. And, and especially as it comes to the, the COVID vaccine, you know, the pressure's intense to take it. But he says, I'm going to cut through a few miles of verbiage circulating on the issue of refusing the COVID vaccine. People have recently announced an extraordinary discovery, meaning there's a legal way to reject the vaccine. It's still experimental, they say, even after the FDA just fully approved it under federal law, a person has a right to refuse an experimental medicine. So they're looking for a loophole. He says, take a breath, let it out, step back and consider the following. Since the moment COVID vaccines were launched, a person has been able to refuse them. Since they were first mandated, a person has been able to refuse them. Mandate means if you refuse, you pay the price. Consequences. You're fired from your job, you can't enter certain restaurants, and so on. After the August 23rd FDA approval of the Pfizer shot, nothing in that regard has changed. You can refuse the shot, but you take the consequences. Even in the army, they can't hold you down and force the needle into your arm. They'll put you in a cell. They'll discharge you dishonorably. They'll court-martial you, whatever. He says, perhaps a lawyer can argue that the consequences of refusing the shot are egregious, too severe, are tantamount to forcing the shot. But that's a different issue. He says, I'd like to see that issue raised. His point, though, is let's not confuse huge numbers of people by telling them that now they have a clear path to refusing the shot. John Rappaport says that clear path has always existed. And perhaps with, the, with the, perhaps the exception of prisons or nursing homes or hospitals where some people were forced to take the shot illegally. But what people are dealing with is how can I avoid the consequences of refusing the shot? And he says, I've suggested strategies that entail getting employers wrapped up in answering probing detailed questions about financial and legal responsibility for vaccine injuries. But the ultimate bottom line that you cannot lose sight of is the individual refusing the shot no matter what. In many articles about vaccines, detailing about how they're dangerous, destructive, ineffective, and unnecessary, he says, my aim has been to bring people closer to making their own stand. And this, he reminds us, is what it's all about. No matter what. It's making sure that if you you say no, that you mean it. It's a test of your faith, conviction, and courage. Will you refuse the vaccine no matter what? 
John Rappaport says, believe me, I support all kinds of legal case filings and challenges to vaccine mandates. I don't care how slim the chances of success are. But in the end, he says, every individual has to decide what he will accept and what he will reject, no matter what the consequences are. I mean, that's the crossroads you and I are standing at right this moment. And John Rappaport says, we are the cure. This is the war. You know, I have an idea. It could get pretty tough. It could get pretty ugly. But I'm determined that I'm going to be true to my principles. I'm going to be true to my conviction, my faith, my courage. And hopefully by example, you will too. Let's have each other's backs on this, shall we? This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. All right, I got, I got to take a break here for just a moment from the uh, the mandates, the vaccines, the whole you will do this for your own good mentality. Something that I want to shift to that, believe it or not, is still related to this and that is seeing the world clearly is understanding how we got here from there. People who don't know history, um, I think it was, uh, was it Tacitus? I can't remember. One of, one of the, the great uh, Roman philosophers talked about how people who don't know history essentially become forever children because they're unable to connect the dots of how the world really works. They don't know, how did we get here from there? And so they rely on someone else to tell them, hey, what does this all mean? You don't want to be that person. And Joaquin Book has a thought-provoking article on the five transitions to modernity. Now, that may sound like, oh, boy, that's pretty lofty stuff. But I I remember thinking years ago I attended a seminar called Face-to-Face with Greatness. And among the things they talked about were the incredible shifts that humankind had undergone. And, And it only seems more incredible when you realize we're living through one of those shifts. It's been within our lifetime. For instance, there was a time where... Human civilization or human society was primarily agrarian. I mean, it started with essentially hunter-gatherers. Civilization came at the point where, uh, where people were able to grow and store crops for seasons. Instead of just hunting and gathering, they actually set up and planted crops and harvested crops and stored those crops and engaged in commerce. That's really where civilization began. In other words, they weren't out there uh, being chased by saber-toothed tigers (laughs) or trying to hunt a woolly mammoth, you know, just to, to keep everybody's bellies full. But that shift from agrarian to industrial, that took place, well, not that long ago, really. You think about the Industrial Revolution. When did that really kick in? 1800s, the invention of the steam engine, you know, then factories and and you see people moving from agrarian existence in the countrysides more into cities, which is where the in- industry was taking place. And of course, that uh, continues, you know, to this day, we still have a lot of industry within cities, but we've turned another corner starting, I don't know, probably 40 years ago, maybe. 
Some would say maybe sooner, but we, we entered the information age. See, these things can overlap. It's not like, okay, that one ended, we slammed on the brakes, everybody, you know, opened the car door and got out, and we got in another vehicle. The shift from agrarian to industrial, that was major. And it actually improved a lot of people's quality of living and, you know, the the security they had of knowing that they could feed themselves. The information age, well, we're still seeing where the dust is going to settle on this. But if you don't understand how those things took place, and, and for that matter, how we are living through one of those changes, you know, that's when history seems like, well, it's just a bunch of dates and names and, you know, things that happened. But the key to understanding history is, first and foremost, we are looking at the decisions that were made and what followed those decisions. That's how you learn from other people's bad choices. So the five transitions to modernity, this is actually a book titled How the World Really Works. It's by Vaclav Smil. And Joaquin Book says when uh, Vaclav Smil speaks, the educated mind would do well to listen or at least to read since he stays out of the chattering limelight. And assuming you could keep up with one of our time's most prolific and brilliant researchers. Now he's a professor emeritus at University of Manitoba. And he is uh, quite well-published and, and quite, uh, quite articulate. Now, Joaquin Book says, you know, bragging isn't arrogant if you can back your words with impressive competence. Vaclav Smil is one of the select few who can. He also talks about uh, a book called Grand Transitions, How the Modern World Was Made that came out earlier this year, in which Smill takes us on a journey through humanity's all-encompassing change in five domains. And I'm just going to touch on these briefly, but this is really fascinating stuff. Number one is demographics. The greatest demographic shift has been the sheer number of humans there are now. Many, many more of us than until recently. We hit one billion total right around the year 1800, about another hundred years or so till the next billion, and then less than a generation to reach the third billion. Now, contrary to fears of overpopulation, population growth peaked in the late 1960s and currently is in a stagnating phase with much longer lives and many more elderly. So that's one of the things that, uh, that has influenced the transition to modernity. Number two has been agriculture and foods. The human food transition is nothing short of remarkable. From subsistence and undernourishment with famine and ever-present threat to mostly well-fed populations where obscene obesity and wasted foods is the routine for billions in the rich world. I'll tell you what, if you, if you could see how much food goes into the dumpster, not just at a restaurant, but like your local convenience store, you'd be shocked. You would think, how could there possibly be hungry people today with the amount of food that's being thrown away? For centuries, farmers' lot was fighting the constraining nutrients, primarily nitrogen, toiling the soil using almost exclusively animate energy, collecting, moving, and spreading these wastes, the most traditional task in traditional, the most demanding task in traditional intensive farming. Yeah, we're talking about spreading fertilizer. So that's a pretty impressive uh, illustration of an existential shift. Humanity is well on its way to exterminate undernourishment. Famines now only occur in war zones or under incompetent and malicious leadership. 
I did mention about uh, my food storage uh, sponsor, uh, Life Saving Foods. Okay, just, <laughs> just file that away. Incompetent and malicious leadership. Not that we ever encountered that, but if we did, it'd be good to know you could feed yourself. Number three is energy. From relying almost exclusively on what we ourselves could physically move or what domesticated animals under our control could exert, our energy needs today come overwhelmingly from inanimate sources of which fossil fuels dominate. We went from a world of low-density, scarce, and expensive energy to one of high-density, abundant, and comparatively cheap energy. Money doesn't make the world go round. Energy does. The fourth shift and transition to modernity was economics or economies. This transition is more familiar to the student of history and economics, but Smill covers the intricacies in the scholarly debates over the Industrial Revolution. The great enrichment from lives unimaginably poorer, shorter, and brutish than ours to the widespread abundance and well-being of the 21st century. I was listening to the uh, Words and Numbers podcast just uh, about a year ago. They were describing how child labor laws were done away with, not because people finally realized it's wrong to work kids, but because the economic growth was such that you didn't have to have every member of the family working just to keep the family going. Number five in the transitions to modernity is environment. Now, Smell recounts humans' long-standing impact on their surroundings, the terraforming activities of prehistoric and pre-industrial societies, as well as those that emerged in the 19th and 20th centuries. Life means movement, often moving the environment out of your way. Now, in ancient times, that meant fire, probably the extinction of megafauna in North America. In Neolithic times, and again during medieval times, it meant large-scale deforestation. In our times, it means resurfacing long-lost and long-dead organic matter that we burn for energy and cause environmental degradation as side effects. We've walked through many environmental damages that are associated with our modern world, overfishing, microplastics in the ocean, uh, antibiotic resistance, algae growth from fertilizer runoff, and the energy requirements of growing emerging countries. And Smill says these five grand transitions have created the modern world with all of its admirable advances and improvements, as well as its uh, worrisome socioeconomic divides and environmental concerns. So we don't know what the future is going to bring, but to have a clue about the past and the present, Joaquin Book says Vaclav Smill is an invaluable guide. And you think about the absolutely stunning rate of change that we've seen over humanity's last thousand years, the accelerating spears, or speeds rather in the last two centuries. I don't know. On the one hand, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, technologically have made our lives better. On the other hand, you got to be careful because sometimes people want to turn that technology against us. But I think if I had to be, you know, if I had to make the choice, you know, should I be grateful or should I be afraid? I'm going to be grateful. What's crazy, though, is when it's going on all around you, you know, the change, that shift, you know, the Internet. I mean, my kids don't believe me. Yeah, there was a time before the Internet. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell us there was a time before microwave ovens. Well, (laughs) now that you mention it, there was. This is the Brian Hyde Show.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, thanks for being part of our growing audience of wrong thinkers. Do me this favor. Stop by my show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. You'll find show notes for each day that I produce the show. You'll find some interesting information there, ways that uh, you can further increase your knowledge and understanding of the various topics up for discussion. You'll also find links to my sponsors, including Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, these are the folks I would send you to if I knew that uh, you were looking to buy a home or even refinance your existing home anywhere in the state of Utah. Heather's been in the business for many decades. She understands what the lenders need. She knows what the borrowers need. The bottom line is she's the one you want on your side to make things happen when time is of the essence. You know, like in the hottest real estate market most of us have ever seen. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. They're at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George, or you can call 435-703-4522. All right, next up. I know that uh, there have been some thoughts about uh, the the new uh, Pfizer Comirnaty vaccine. Am I saying that right? Government health officials are, you know, starting to make uh, suggestions. That, you know, not only should everybody be getting the vaccine, but they're actually, I don't know if you heard this uh, just yesterday. Um, I can't remember if it was the White House or if it was uh, the Centers for Disease Control. We're saying, we suggest unvaccinated people not travel for Labor Day. They're already starting in. You know, the funny thing is I was planning on, you know, I was thinking maybe I would just stay home and take it easy for Labor Day, but... If they're telling me, you know, you're not supposed to travel if you're unvaccinated, I think I feel a trip coming on. Yeah, I'm not going to be flying, but that's beside the point. <laughs> just, I just wish they just would back the heck off. Can the vaccine mandates be far away if they're already starting with the, well, we don't want unvaccinated people traveling. Um, here's the thing. Before you give in to the demands and you don't travel or you, you know, get the vaccine because, dang it, that's what you need to do. You might want to take a closer look at the FDA's fact sheet for that uh, Comirnaty vaccine. What a fun and awkward name. This is an article by Merrill Nass, who is an MD. It's uh, from childrenshealthdefense.org. And it's titled, Here's Why No One Can Force You to Take Pfizer's Newly, in quotation marks, Approved Comirnaty Vaccine. It says, On August 23rd, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration issued its approval, also known as a license, for Pfizer's Comirnaty COVID vaccine. Now, the FDA documents, by the way, they are all linked here in this article, related to the vaccine's approval are as difficult to understand as the new brand name is to pronounce. According to the FDA, although Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccine is now approved, considerable amounts of the vaccine will remain under Emergency Youth Authorization, or EUA. Also, the Comirnaty vaccine was limited to adults over 16 receiving their first two doses. Vaccination with the EUA Pfizer-BioNTech or the Comirnaty vaccine in the 12 to 15 year age group or providing a third booster dose of either those things are still considered an unapproved use. However, those uses remain authorized under EUA, Emergency Youth Authorization, Use Authorization, rather. Now, the FDA made some clear but cagey statements 
about the differences between the Comirnaty vaccine and the Pfizer-BioNTech EUA vaccine. This is a lot to keep track of, but this is worth knowing. For example, this is from the FDA's statement. The licensed vaccine has the same formulation as the EUA-authorized vaccine, and the products can be used interchangeably to provide the vaccination series without presenting any safety or effectiveness issues. Listen to this next part, though. The products are legally distinct with certain differences that do not impact safety or effectiveness. End quote. Now, what does that statement mean? What specifically are the certain differences that make these two vaccines legally distinct? The FDA did not explain this in any of the documents provided last week to the public. But here are two important facts about EUA drugs and vaccines that you ought to know. We know there are some important differences between EUA drugs and vaccines and fully licensed drugs or vaccines. And we also know these two facts about EUA products. Number one, emergency youth use authorization vaccines are designated as experimental or investigational products under U.S. law. As such, they cannot be mandated. You have the right to refuse without suffering consequences. Number two, Emergency use authorization vaccines have a huge liability shield that protects everyone involved with the product from being sued. So if you're injured by an EUA vaccine, the only way to obtain compensation for the damages is to apply to the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, CICP, which might cover unpaid medical expenses and lost wages only. But only 3% of claims made have been compensated. So far, the program has approved no claims for COVID vaccine injuries. Now, some say the CICP, which is run through the U.S. Department of Health and Human Service and does not give petitioners the right to a judge or a jury, is actually withholding due process from injured Americans. But that's the only pathway by which an injured party can seek help after receiving an AEUA vaccine or drug. Now, the article goes on to say it's right there in the fact sheet. The FDA says it's your choice. Legally, in order to mandate a vaccine, the vaccine has to be fully approved. However, once a vaccine for use in adults moves from an EUA product to a licensed everyday product, it loses that liability shield. This doctor says we believe it's likely the FDA was instructed to find a way to both license the Pfizer vaccine so the mandates would be legally supported while also retaining the vaccine's liability shield. But they couldn't find a way to do this under existing law, so instead... As the Defender reported back in August, on August 24th, the agency chose to create confusion regarding the legal status of the two Pfizer-BioNTech vaccines. And linked in this article in a document they discuss here, the fact sheet required to be given to recipients of either the Comirnaty or Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine, the FDA acknowledges the facts we've just presented, but they've added something new. This is the final sentence of the fact sheet. It states, quote, This EUA for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine and Comirnaty will end when the Secretary of Health and Human Services determines that the circumstances justifying the EUA no longer exist or when there is a change in the approval status of the product such that an EUA is no longer needed. So according to this fact sheet, the FDA has designated the licensed Comirnaty vaccine as an EUA product 
By doing so, they've guaranteed the Comirnaty vaccine the same liability shield as the EUA Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. However, that means the Comirnaty vaccine can't be mandated. The FDA admits this in the fact sheet where it states, quote, what if I decide not to get Comirnaty or the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine? Under EUA, it is your choice to receive or not receive the vaccine. Should you decide not to receive it, it will not change your standard medical care. That's right there in the FDA fact sheet. This fact sheet is the FDA's admission buried in the fine print that no one can currently be mandated to receive any COVID vaccine in the U.S. as all remain under the EUA. And this fact sheet for vaccine recipients is the key to avoid being forced to accept an experimental vaccine. And so they say we suggest you print it out, highlight the relevant passages, and present it to anybody who tries to force vaccinations on employees. Again, this is from Merle Nass, MD, from the Defender, childrenshealthdefense.org. Now, I kind of go back to how John Rappaport puts this, and that is, okay, it's, this is definitely a loophole, or it appears that there's, there's a loophole there. But the most important loophole, and the one that you and I cannot lose sight of, is the fact that we are living, breathing, thinking, autonomous human beings with natural, God-given rights that protect us from, the, from, from government. They limit government's power over us. Now, you only have those rights that you are willing to claim, use, and defend. Meaning you can have these rights. I mean, yeah, they're, they're your rights. But if you don't know what they are, if you don't know how to claim them, if you aren't willing to stand up and use them, if you're not willing to defend them, even if it means that you may face consequences, then you really don't have them at all. So I'm not telling you this is time to go out and become, you know, someone parading in the street, waving banners and chanting in unison. I'm just saying, if you know your rights... It's a lot harder for people who are determined to deny them to do so. So how does that start? Little by little. It starts with doing your own homework and owning your own worldview. The fact you're listening to this program tells me you're probably already on your way. This is The Brian Hyde Show. trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, I have some exciting news, and uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, share this with you right at the beginning of the program. If you find value in the message, the encouragement, uh, the, the thought-provoking literature that I direct your way every day, um, you can actually become a member at my website, thebrianhydeshow.com. And there are some special perks for those who are, are uh, members. There are those who, they, essentially, you're, you're subscribing but you're not doing it because, you know, I'm not going to give you any content unless you subscribe. It's just, 
if if you find value, this is this is a great way for you to help me do what I do. And uh, I I don't know if you can tell, but I absolutely have passion for speaking the truth as best I understand it, for trying to persuade people there is a better way that doesn't involve bringing more anger or more fear to the situation. So if you uh, go to my website, thebrianheidshow.com, click on the membership link, check it out for yourself, and and see if it's something that would be right for you. Um, you also, especially if you, if you uh, become a uh, an annual member, you get a nice break on the subscription rate, and one of the perks is I have a... Uh, Revel in Wrong Think mug with your name on it. Yes, it has my visage on it, but uh, it's uh, it's a it's a great little collectible and a little something you can think about every morning as you're engaging in wrong think. I'm excited. This is ah, this is this is a whole new level of swag, <laughs> as well as as opportunity to uh, to engage. And and I want you to to understand. I'm doing what I'm doing, not because uh, this is the surest path to, you know, immortality, fame, and fortune. I learned a long time ago that fame and fortune, which, you know, they, they can be nice things, not that I've ever achieved either, but I also understand they're very transitory in nature. They don't last. What does last is impact. And everything that I do, everything that I share with you, the way that I go about trying to share it with you is because I'm trying to have impact and not just, you know, get you riled up. I, I've, I've done that before, right? I went through my red meat uh, throwing phase. Perhaps you remember. <laughs> I'd rather have impact. I'd rather help people take those tentative steps to slog their way out of the swamp of misinformation and get to the point where they don't need me. They've outgrown me. They're, you know, charging ahead on their own course in life. That's the greatest compliment you could possibly pay me is to outgrow me and to, to become your own leader and to become a leader to other people and to, to chart your own course. So there it is, my heart sitting on the table there for you. Let's, uh, well, let's dive in. I wanted to talk about uh, how it's 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 bad enough every place where we interact with government is quickly becoming a compliance checkpoint you may not enter this government building unless you are masked or unless you are vaccinated and and we're going to see more and more of this this is going to be tricky especially um, i think we saw this last year or maybe it was earlier this year um sorry it all kind of blends together time has flown has uh, flown rather strangely but uh, Ammon Bundy arrested for trespassing at the Idaho state legislature and when he shows up for his arraignment, is denied entry to the courthouse because he would not put on the face muzzle. The deputies kept him there at the door. Nope, you can't come in, you can't come in, can't come in. And as they held him there with him pleading, well, why Why can't we do this virtually? If, if this is such a danger, then, then why can't we, you know, have a video arraignment or whatever that, that may be? Well, they kept him there until the judge, you know, reached the time for trial. Well, where is the uh, defendant? Not here? Ah, failure to appear. And they arrested him again. Talk about some circular logic. So you're going to see more and more of this, where every place where you interact with officialdom, and it could be your kid's school, it could be you know the driver's license bureau, basically, if government is involved, you're going to see that will become a compliance checkpoint. But now you have businesses following suit. 
And I'm, I'm just loving Alan Stevo's approach because he not only has some helpful advice on how to meet this challenge head on, but he also has some great ideas about how to turn it in your favor. Listen to this. This is a reader writing to uh, Alan Stevo. They say, salutations. I just wanted to convey my sincere, heartfelt gratitude for everything you've done and continue to empower us. I just purchased your book. This person says, me and my elderly mother were able to go into a Trader Joe's in Menio Park, California, without a face diaper. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Store manager kept on telling the employees with the Hawaiian shirts that it was okay. They called me beforehand after they would encounter or follow us and say, ma'am, you need to wear a face mask. She says, I can tell you here in my area, Atherton, California, all the nannies are having a hard time due to the masks for themselves and for their charges. Very sad indeed. Not only that, but agencies such as uh, Tand CR in Palo Alto, California, Town and Country Resources, and all the other agencies require the satanic clot shot. I've been a nanny personal assistant for over 20 years. I can tell you that it is unbelievable to me how many how so many people with letters in front of and behind their names are so lacking critical thinking skills. It's astounding. So far, my dad, mom, and boss have not yet inquired about my vaccine status, nor do I wear a mask in the household. Now, they both are fully vaccinated. And this uh, person signs the letter, Nanny of the Year. Says, if you're in the area, please reach out. I'd love to thank you personally and shake your hand. Alan Stevel says, thank you so much for this note. He says, though you aren't at work personally impacted by these draconian ultimatums, you appear to be reading the writing on the wall and preparing for what the future may hold. He says, it sounds like you and your friends in the industry are basically saying, all my nanny clients expect me to get the COVID vaccine. What do I do? Now listen to this approach. Here, I, I think he's brilliant for suggesting this. He says, my immediate answer is, number one, increase your hourly rate by 25%. Number two, advertise yourself as never vaccinated against COVID-19 and 100% unmasked and an experienced nanny. He says, I believe the following will organically occur. You will find more clients than you know what to do with and will soon have to open up the unvaxxed nanny agency with the motto, more expensive than the competition, but we won't shed death on your grandma. (laughs) He says, if you really do it right, all the social media mask holes will attack you. Contrary to popular opinion, he says, don't fear that. Embrace it. That's free publicity. Your marketing material can make all the claims about the harm done by the COVID vaccine. You can have a lot of fun with that. And as the owner of the agency, it will be your job to attract attention and find work for your nannies. Now, he says lots of marketing is total deceit. It can be a a lot of fun to run a marketing campaign that's 100% honest and calls out those in power for their lies. So ideally, you will go so overboard with your anti-vaccine rhetoric that Pfizer will want to sue you in the crooked courts. And that will basically guarantee that you will live the rest of your life in the lap of luxury. You can't pay for publicity like that. Imagine the billboards, unvaxxed nanny agency, new motto, we are so anti-vax that Pfizer sued us and won. No matter what such a lawsuit costs, if you play it right, you will win in the end and you will sleep at night with a peace of mind that you're fighting the good fight every day. He says you can go so overboard with your marketing that no social media censorship will be able to stop you. People will share your marketing with friends just as a conversation piece. They'll do this even if they disagree with you. 
If you play this right, the most awful, arrogant, hateful people on next door will become your ardent marketers. Remember, it doesn't matter whether or not they agree with you. It only matters that they are passionate about you. Get them passionate about you and the word of your efforts will spread. Just imagine the fun you could have with the signs as you tape them to the light poles and bus stops. And he gives some sample flyer texts. Unvaccinated nannies wanted. Starting pay higher the, 25% higher than the competition. Or sick of the mask yet? Our parents will never ask you to wear a mask because they see right through the lies. If you are unvaxxed and unmasked, we will beat your current pay by 25%. Are you tired of the COVID lies? Come work for a company that won't force you to take the unsafe, ineffective COVID shot. And he goes on and on. I think there's some wisdom in what he's suggesting here. And it's just in the last week or so I've seen this meme pop up of Elvis Presley with his uh, manager. And the comment there was Elvis Presley's manager at one time sold um, buttons that said, I hate Elvis. Yeah, his manager was selling that. You know who he was selling them to? People who hated Elvis. People who weren't buying Elvis Presley merchandise. He could still get their money, even if they didn't care for him. I guess there are some advantages to being fearless, right? We're going to come back. i got a couple more thoughts here from Alan Stevo. Just words of encouragement for those who are trying to hold the line, maybe finding it difficult. This guy's got a lot of encouragement to offer. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I just wanted to uh, bring to your attention that I have wonderful sponsors who make this program possible on a daily basis. They include the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George, LifesavingFood.com, and MonticelloCollege.org. And I'm looking at a, a package here from, uh, from LifesavingFood.com. This is just something to, to just whet your imagination. It's called a prepper pack, a 52-serving bucket, the perfect start for any prepper. This is, you know, just something you can have set aside for a snowstorm or a hurricane, you know, if those things still exist, other weather emergencies or something that you can have to be prepared. we got great-tasting, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods ready in minutes. All you have to do is add water. And they come in stackable buckets with an easy grab-and-go handle. Easy to store, easy to transport. This will only set you back 100 bucks. Is 100 bucks worth a little peace of mind? Well, why don't you go to their website and check it out for yourself? There's a link in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. That is lifesavingfood.com. When you decide to make a purchase, please use my last name, Hyde, H-Y-D-E, as your coupon code. You'll get 10% off your purchase. So back to Alan Stevo's commentary. What do you think about that? Telling that nanny, you know, hey, instead of, you know, trying to, to placate the people who may have a problem with the fact that you aren't vaccinated or that you don't want to wear the mask, why not play on that as your strength? Go for broke. Treat it like, no, this is, this is what sets me apart from the crowd. I think there's some wisdom in this. Now, he says, I know it may come across as playful and tongue-in-cheek simply because it's so different from how most people tend to view the situation. But he says, please be assured 
I'm being sincere. Alan Stevo says a wise 81-year-old woman, wise beyond her years, who labors daily in her massive garden and doesn't look to me much older than 50, has said to me, remember to rise every day in expectation. Expect miracles every day. If you don't expect those miracles, God can't give you those miracles. Now that said, he says, please allow me to encourage you to ignore the way of the world. It's a distraction. Expect great things that align with your values, and if you execute on them faithfully, great things will indeed happen. He says, there is no one that's ten times, a hundred times, or a thousand times smarter than you. There is no one that works ten times, a hundred times, or a thousand times harder than you. But there may be people who have faith for ten times, a hundred times, or a thousand times more than you do. For many, that's the variable. Another wise man of faith has 12 important two-letter words he likes to reference. If it is to be, it is up to me. Do it. That is to say that my dreaming with you here is sincere, as sincere as it gets. He says you're in a truly brilliant situation in life, and if you embrace the challenge, you'll overcome it, help yourself and others change your destinies moving forward. You can have a lot of fun doing it. Now, he's talking specifically to this nanny who reached out to him. But his point, I think, could be taken by many of us. His point being that joyful activism can be your marketing. For marketing efforts, you can hire people to attend all the local protests and hand out flyers for your agency. You could go to city council meetings, yell about vaccine mandates during public comments, and finish each of your public comments with, and that's why I run the Vaccine-Free Nanny Network. Call us at 408-555-1212 right away because we're running out of nannies. Our services are so popular. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that'd take, that'd take some guts. He says, there are many dozens of recorded and broadcasted city and county meetings in your area each week in which you can offer a public comment like that. In fact, why stop only at the public comment? Come on, comment on every single agenda item. Comment on it even if you know nothing about it. The more you stick out as not belonging and the more places you stick out, the more people will know about you and talk about you. Not only can you have fun ridiculing, belittling, and shattering the laughably amateurish big pharma, big government narrative, you'll grow your business, spread the word of your services, and influence even more people to recognize they have the authority they have over such evil in their lives. And I think that's the key right there. This isn't a matter of, hey, we got to go smash the evil. This is really, it comes down to a matter of recognizing that you had the power all along to say no, to withdraw your consent where necessary. The problem is convincing enough people to do that. His point is that courage is contagious. Alan Stevo says, I can't overstate the potential of the situation you're in. Those who seek to be our overlords think we will just accept it and let life go back to normal. You can concretely produce a very different outcome in the community around you. And he says, you'll not only be a hero to hundreds of families who thought they'd never find an unvaxxed nanny, but you'll also be a hero to hundreds of nannies who never thought they'd find an unvaxxed family. On top of that, you'll also save lives, and you'll be an inspiration to millions around the globe. Now, he also points out to to, to this nanny, he says, you have a special level of influence. He says, I want to point out something um, that that, uh, you have that nannies in Paris, Berlin, Tokyo, Austin, and Miami do not have. 
and that is California has a special role in American culture. It leads the way in so many regards. After the morass of 2020, its gubernatorial recall efforts have prompted and promoted backlash at governors and officials across the country who've encouraged this corona communism that has so seized this land. To watch this backlash spread from California has been a masterful indicator of its influence in the minds of so many. We know California's influence can be used to promote bad, but he says we must not forget its potent ability to leverage the good. In recent years, California has largely pushed forward bad influence on American culture. The lockdowns nationally and globally started in your neck of the woods when on March 17, 2020, the coterminous uh, city and county of San Francisco announced a three-week lockdown that has now extended nearly 18 months. A lockdown that the other Bay Area counties, including your own, joined in on. The San Francisco Department of Public Health has a special place among health departments globally. It is seen as one of the most willing to experiment on its own residents. Across the country and around the world, health departments said, if San Francisco is doing this, well, it must be okay for us to do this. He says the Santa Clara Clara County Department of Public Health in the heart of Silicon Valley, led by the degenerate Sarah Cody, has a reputation. They don't need to pay any attention to the local populace or pay any attention to human rights or to medical ethics or the concepts laid out at Nuremberg. They're diligently engaged in in experimentation with the support and funding of the tech oligarchs around you. And he says they have a special blank check to do whatever they want in the name of experimentation on the populace and in the name of advancing the rule by technocracy. What a fascinating dynamic you live in at the spear tip of the resistance. And that means that you have a great deal of ability to influence not just your own corner of the world, but the entire world. If it can be stopped in San Francisco, it can be stopped anywhere. If it can be stopped in Silicon Valley, it can be stopped anywhere. In living your daily free existence, you are incidentally fighting a fight for a Mexican grandmother in a village 30 miles outside of, I don't know how to say the name, for an underground Chinese Christian in Inner Mongolia, for a man in Eastern Slovakia and his family who will not stand for this nonsense and has been treated so shamefully as a result, but who remains resolute. He says every American has an outsized ability to spread freedom through their daily actions, moment by moment. But to this nanny, he says, you, ma'am, are at the tip of the spear, surrounded by what must feel like the greatest tyranny you've ever experienced as it breathes down your neck, threatening to crush you and all you hold dear. You, ma'am, have influence at the spear tip that is much more powerfully magnified than most other Americans can hope to have many miles away in their safe havens for liberty. You were made for such a time and place as this. And there's an active group of lions looking for you, dear reader, he says. They're crying out for someone like you, and they don't know yet how to find you. We'll come back to this in just a few moments. This is just great stuff from Alan Stevo. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. 
I just got to finish up with a couple quick thoughts here from Alan Stevo in his uh, response to a nanny from the uh, Bay Area in California who had written to him asking, hey, what can I do? All my nanny clients expect me to get the COVID vaccine. His advice is, hey, seize on your strength. Be the one who says, I am an unvaccinated nanny. I do not believe in the mask. And charge 25% more than your competition. Make it a strength. So when when someone says, well, you know, she doesn't wear the mask. She doesn't want the vaccine. And she charges 25% more. They're going to assume you know what you're doing, right? This is a value. This is added value. A nanny with a backbone. Alan Stevo tells her, you live in Silicon Valley. He says, all the moms who agree with you have been shadow banned into submission. All the nannies that agree with you have been forced out of work. The dads who agree with you, well, they become the local pariahs. If you go find them and connect with them, you hit the jackpot. Jackpot, rather. And he says, are you picturing this yet? Because I am. He says, the missing ingredient is your courage. A missing ingredient that the enemy recognizes as he seeks to demoralize and discourage you. To convince you that truthful words spoken will result in censorship. So why not just keep quiet and keep hold of the meager rights and privileges you still have? Those encouragements for cowardice are the counsel of an enemy. Even if they come out of the mouth of a dear friend, the last thing needed now is cowardice around the truth. Shame around the speaking of wisdom, bashfulness around faithfulness. The missing ingredient in the world you described to me is your courage. And he says, you're living out some of that life and courage. I commend you for that. Dream big, expect miracles, deny fear any quarter in your life, and live out the rest of your life with the massive measure of courage you have in you. He asks, are you picturing this? Do you see the potential of this moment you live in, dear lion? Because I do. A new America is being forged in the fires and ashes of the has-been American empire. It has a senile and illegitimate ice cream eater hiding in his Delaware basement, ceremonially calling the shots as he flees from the goat herders of Afghanistan, the graveyard of empires. Welcome to the new America, and thank you for being a part of it. Alan Stevo says, something tells me that the new America will be forged in the same fires and ashes that a new California is forged in. Now, transitions like these take time and effort. But, oh, what a joy they are when a free people are finally able to step into their inevitable, incredible future and taste freedom for themselves and their families. Recognition in yourself of how free you really are. That's what freedom really is. Once you realize that, no one can stop you from acting upon it. Any person of inaction, no matter how well-versed they are in the theory, knows nothing of freedom. He's a man held hostage by a theory, convinced that theory has bearing upon reality. But Alan Stevo says their actions show how little they respect freedom. How palpably they deny its existence and hide behind theory. It's through action that values are shown. Filled with that spirit, he says, you will be left with no other choice than taking bold steps akin to those I describe. The types of choices a free man, a free woman makes when they look around them at a confused world. And so he says, live that free life in the world around you. The world as you know it will become that free place you desire. I don't know why, but I think that's encouragement that uh, I really needed. And I'm very thankful 
that uh, that there are people like Alan Stevo who are willing to speak out and say what he's saying. You know, a healthy sense of skepticism is always a good thing, especially when you have people or institutions demanding you do things for your own good. I saw a very interesting article by Liam Cosgrove on regulatory capture in the age of COVID-19. I want to just share a couple of excerpts here. He says, our healthcare system's broken, a fact that no one would have disputed in pre-COVID days. Regulatory capture is a reality. The pharmaceutical industry is fraught with examples, yet we trusted private-public partnerships to find an optimal solution to a global pandemic, assuming that a crisis would bring out the best in historically corrupt institutions. Well, here's a brief list of less-than-savory behavior demonstrated by our titans of healthcare. Pfizer and J&J plead guilty to misbranding with the intent to defraud or mislead and paying kickbacks to healthcare providers to induce them to prescribe their drugs, resulting in fines of $2.3 billion in 2009, $2.2 billion in 2013, respectively. Pfizer settled another lawsuit for manipulating studies and suppressing negative findings just a few years later. Moderna has never developed an approved drug, yet one of their board members was placed in charge of Operation Warp Speed. Now, this certainly is unrelated to the fact that they received the most federal vaccine R&D funding and have received over $6 billion from our government since the start of the pandemic. Gilead Science has paid $97 million in fines because it illegally used a nonprofit foundation as a conduit to pay the Medicare Coke pays for its own drug. In 2005, AstraZeneca's drug Crestor was shown to be linked to a life-threatening muscle disease while the company withheld evidence of this and two dozen other effects from the public. And in 2012, GlaxoSmithKline paid $3 billion in fines as it failed to include certain safety data relating to their drug since labeled to be connected to heart failure and attacks. Now, Liam Cosgrove says, Thankfully, our public health guardians are in place to protect us from the greed and deceit of the private sector, right? Wrong. Here's another brief list. FDA worked behind the scenes with company Biogen to alter previously conducted trials of their $56,000 per year Alzheimer's treatment and found by removing the subset of people for whom the drug didn't work, they found a slight statistical effect in favor of the drug. Even after doing this, an advisory committee voted 10 to nothing against approving the drug. The FDA approved the drug anyways, causing three committee members to resign. In that case, the third-party advisors did the right thing. Now, that's not always the case. A study by Science Magazine tracking 107 FDA advisors for four years found that 62% received money from related drug makers, with 25% receiving over 100000 and 6% receiving over $1 million. It only takes a few corrupt advisors to fix a panel and feign medical consensus. The World Health Organization has come to be dominated by China over the last 17 years by bribing poor nations and altering the organization's voting structure to ensure their candidates obtain high positions, most notably Director General. The World Health Organization parroted false claims made by the Chinese Communist Party in January 2020 that COVID-19 had no clear evidence of human-to-human transmission. And if you need more proof that the World Health Organization is in China's pockets, here's a clip linked in this article. In 2017, it was revealed that the uh, CDC Director for Heart Disease and Stroke Prevention had been secretly communicating with Coca-Cola. 
providing guidance on how to influence world health authorities on sugar and beverage policy matters. And finally, as for Fauci and the National Institute for Health, Liam says, I can't do any better than Dr. Chris Martinson in his video analyzing Fauci's emails. One thing is clear, the Wuhan research was gain of function. So he says, okay, now that we thoroughly discredited our public health institutions, let's move on to why this matters. He says, this article is not concerned with the vaccines. Do your own research, make your own decisions here. He says, as mentioned above, the World Health Organization failed to warn the world of the magnitude of the threat and instead actively advised against a Chinese travel ban when evidence of COVID severity was overwhelming. Now, this certainly changed the fate of the world for the worse, but how much worse? Well, we can't know for certain. But it's interesting to note that Taiwan, who shut down international travel in early January 2020 upon learning of troubling developments in Wuhan, handled the virus exceptionally well, with only seven deaths in 2020. That's remarkable when compared with other Southeast Asian nations, considering their population size of almost 24 million. It makes you wonder what the fate of the rest of the world could have been had the World Health Organization done its job. So there's a lot more to this article. I would recommend you check it out for yourself. He also has some great thoughts on ivermectin. And I know that right now there's also a bit of a little media campaign going on. Ah, if you're not a horse, you shouldn't be using horse medicine. But I'm hearing and I'm reading some very promising things about ivermectin as a treatment. And even as a prophylactic, meaning a preventative treatment against COVID. So, I mean, it's, it's one thing to sit back and say, well, someone tell me, tell me what to think of this. There are plenty of people who will do that. I'm going to add my voice to that chorus of voices saying, do your own homework, do your own thinking. Learn how to think like an expert. I know you've been told you can't trust yourself. You don't have the degree. You don't have the background. If you have an inquisitive mind and the ability to, to do some research, to, to think, to ask questions, you can get the answers that you're looking for. Check out the link that I provide to uh, Liam Cosgrove's article in the com show notes. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Our program brought to you in part by the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, located at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George, Utah, NMLS ID 715386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. You can also call 435-703-4522 if you are looking to buy a home or maybe even refinance your existing loan. Might want to jump on that sooner than later. It's a crazy real estate market right now, but if you're looking to get that financing squared away and done quickly, you couldn't do better than the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. So a couple quick notes here in the final segment of the hour. Uh, Kent McManigal. I love this guy. He has, uh, he has such a, a way to just cut through the fluff and tell you the way that it is, or at least his, uh, his thoughts on the way that it is. 
And he has a, a, a great essay here about one of the reasons that uh, people still tend to view the state as the primary problem solver in their life. Now, look, we're trained to, to think like this since about age five. But so many of the problems in our lives are actually the result of state interference, not a matter of too little government. So his article is called Hallucinate Hard Enough and Government Doesn't Look Like a Failure. And it starts with a conversation he had with what he calls a right status. This would mean someone who, conservative statism, right? That belief that anything not under government control is by definition out of control. Kent McManigal asked a right statist what not failing would look like. And his main concern was the protection of everyone's property. In other words, handling crime or things too big for the individual to do on his own. But he wants it all to be done efficiently. So Kent says, I guess as long as a state does those things, that's not failing in his view. But he reminds us the primary violator of everyone's property is government. Much worse than freelance criminals. More on that when we discuss discuss crime in just a minute. But he says also, if political government exists, he goes, I want it to be as inefficient as possible. Efficient government would be a nightmare for the people. Plus, it can trick them into tolerating it longer. That's the worst case scenario. So someone will usually come back with, well, who will build the roads? And he says, roads. Okay. First, I'll say, I don't know how things would work out in a free society. The best I can come up with is voluntary solutions I can think of. The actual way it works out could be much different. So who would build the roads? Well, the same contractors who build them now. Who would pay the contractors? And the answer is the same people who pay them now, you and me. How would they be paid? Not through taxation. One possibility is businesses would want roads so you could get to their doors. Those roads would also have to pass by your house to be of any use to them. So you'd pay for the roads when you use the business so toll booths would be unnecessary. Now the difference between managing a project and government is the same as between sex and rape. It's consent. The structure can be the same, but it's a totally different act. And he says, as far as agreeing where the road should go, Keep the roads which already exist, but new ones? Well, often a new development will lay out and build the new roads and then hand them over to government when they're done. Just skip that last step. If a big project is actually wanted, people will chip in. Those who value it don't have to, or those who don't value it, rather, don't have to. If they then decide to use it after after it's been finished, then they have to pay a user fee or chip in as though they were there from the beginning. Any project that can't get enough voluntary funding to survive needs to die anyway. I know you almost wish this guy would run for office, but obviously he's he's not interested in in that kind of thing, which is actually one of his strengths. Traffic lights and other signals, he says, make travel more dangerous. Ooh, that's going to leave a mark. Some people are going to absolutely flip out when they hear that. Maybe a few informational signs would be good, but he says most of that stuff needs to go away. And that's assuming roads would still be as necessary in a free society. They might not, since flying vehicles would become more common and most likely affordable. Now, on the matter of crime, Kent McManigal sadly reminds us that cops now steal more property than freelance thieves. And by the way, this has been true for several years running. If you look into uh, civil asset forfeiture, you'll find... Yeah, they, they, uh, the police have actually left criminals in the dust when it comes to taking people's property without due process. 
He says, if we are paying government employees to deter crime, we are getting screwed. Police don't protect or defend your property. Warren v. District of Columbia settled that question. And when inmates are asked what they fear most, do you realize they never talk about the fear of being arrested? What they fear is encountering a target or a victim who is armed. And the job of defending yourself and your property has always been yours, even if you imagined you'd hired someone else to do it instead. Now, Ken McManigal says, if you want to hire someone, I wouldn't stop you. Just don't make me pay for it on your behalf. And if your employees harm an innocent during the commission of their protection, let them be held fully accountable, and you as well, because you are their employer. He says, I don't want government courts judging criminals. It's a conflict of interest Anytime the government is one of the parties. Do they recuse themselves in that case? Nope. By the way, you'll see this oftentimes in code enforcement. When someone shows up, you know, to answer a code enforcement complaint, who's there to represent them? You've got the code enforcement officer representing the municipality. You've got the uh, whoever it is. Usually it's, it's some attorney acting as the judge to, to uh, adjudicate whatever the dispute is. But the citizen has to fend for himself. And it's taxpayer money that pays for that enforcement officer and pays for that uh, adjudicator to be there. Seems like kind of an interesting racket. Ken McManigal's point here is justice isn't just about punishment or revenge. He says it's about restitution. Incarceration prevents restitution. It robs the victim again. He says prison is a racket. In fact, his dad worked in prisons. And he says they're totally illegitimate and only serve to train criminals to view themselves as apart from society and give them more excuses to target others. And they also operate as criminal university. If someone is too dangerous to be walking free, let his next intended victim or a bystander kill him and solve the problem. Prison only makes things worse. Again, would each person protect their property? Well, if you aren't already doing this, you're failing your responsibility. Well, who guards my stuff when I want to go fishing or play cards with friends? Security systems, neighbors you've built a relationship with, etc. His point is, the cops don't do that now. So why worry that they wouldn't be there to continue to not do it in the future? Kent McManigal says, if you'd rather have pros protect you, go ahead. But just leave the rest of us out of it. As long as I'm allowed to opt out and not pay for them on your behalf, what you do won't violate me. Now, he takes a pretty hard stance here. I don't expect everybody would agree with him. He says government is an automatic failure from top to bottom, front to back, side to side, and beginning to end. A free society couldn't possibly fail any harder. But he says at this point, clinging to the state because you can't think how the alternative would work, he says that's just a mental problem. I read a really interesting article a couple of years ago on lewrockwell.com. I'm having trouble finding it because I can't remember the name of the author. But it was an interview with an old marshal. This would have been, uh, I think the interview would have been conducted like in the uh, 1930s, maybe, 1940s. And this guy lived in uh, the, the badlands of New Mexico, you know, in the latter part of the 1800s. He was a marshal. He had some very interesting observations about what happened before everybody outsourced their justice to government. 
And I know we hear about the Wild West. Well, people would just fill their hand with a gun and they'd solve the problem right there. There's a degree of truth there, but it's not an entire truth. What is true is that people tended to handle their own problems. But because of that, people took care not to offend, not to wrong another individual. And if you did think that you had wronged another person, it was actually in your interest to go and make it right. That didn't mean that there was, you know, widespread violence. It just meant that people behaved themselves because they knew there would be an accountability. Outsourcing things to the state, well, it gave it the appearance of order and it gave it the appearance of, yes, you know, now we have some official, you know, structure within which to work. But that old lawman actually spoke with, uh, I don't know if it was fondness, but the recognition that uh, outsourcing justice to the state may not necessarily have uh, been quite the solution that we've been led to believe that it is. And that's a topic for another time. Can you have justice without the state? The answer is yes. Like I say, we'll have to tackle that another time. Thanks again for being part of my audience. Please visit my website, thebrianhydeshow.com. Consider becoming a member. And check out today's show notes as well. This is The Brian Hyde Show.